Welcome to Off Topic with Mike and JD. I'm still JD. And I'm still Mike. And welcome to the show. So today, we're going to talk about Hamilton. So, something that people never want to stop talking about, including me. <laughs> like, everybody has a few feeling about it, whether they love it, they hate it, they don't get why it's such a big deal, they mm. completely understand why it's a big deal, everybody's got a feeling. Don't you agree, Mike? Oh, definitely. I mean, everybody uh, has strong opinions about everything these days. <laughs> that is true. But, so now, I think first we'll talk about how we were first exposed to Hamilton. That's so a now, good idea. Me, <laughs> so me growing up, um, I was lucky enough to be able to... to to see it, we, my family and I would see at least one one show a, a year, often more. So I always saw Broadway shows. So I first saw In the Heights, the Manuel Miranda's first masterpiece, piece, and I I loved loved it, and I great show. And then so then I hear he's doing another show, this, not Hamilton. This, he was actually doing um encore productions of Tick Tick Boom. Now it, this actually was in between the workshop of Hamilton and the the Broadway of Hamilton, off Broadway. I forget it was at some point in the middle of production of Hamilton. The point is, I hadn't even heard of Hamilton. I just heard he was doing this show, so I go to see it. I I that's when I I read the bio. I first read that oh, he's working on Hamilton, and so it's another cast member, Leslie Odom Jr., as most people know, Aaron Burr. Right. So, <laughs> but, but so yeah, so then that's why I first hear about him like Hamilton. Like I didn't even make the connection that was Alexander Hamilton right away. Wait, so I'm like, oh, that's an interesting thing. But I like when I'll probably eventually see it. See it, and so then all suddenly Hamilton blows up. But see, I have a thing. I don't like to listen to the soundtrack of shows before I see the show. And at the time, I'm like, well, obviously. I, mean, I see all the shows. I'll see. I'll see this eventually. I didn't realize how hard it would be to actually see Hamilton on, on Broadway. So eventually, I caved. I'm like, okay, this is just too much of a thing to wait to hear the soundtrack of. So then I listen to the soundtrack. Absolutely fall in love with it. And I'm not a fan of rap, but I just love it. Eventually, I did manage to see it on Broadway, and again, loved it. And of course, like most of the people, I saw it on Disney Plus multiple times, and again, loved it. Just loved it. I loved it every step of the way. Definitely. <laughs> so, what's your personal? Like, what was your first exposure to the show? Mike? Well, I almost am coming at it from a complete opposite uh, to your perspective. I am not really a big theater person. Like, I enjoy most of the Broadway shows I've seen, but I don't follow Broadway. I don't. Mm -hmm. Go see regular Broadway shows. I've seen like eight, a total of eight or so in my life. Um, I strongly dislike rap. I, history was my worst subject in school. So when somebody told me, oh, hey, there's a, a Broadway show combining rap and a historical founding father, I'm like, hard pass. Uh, but, you know... Everyone kept telling me, oh, it's so good, it's so good. Like, even if you don't like rap, you might like it. You should totally, like, listen to it, etc., etc. So, um, around 2016, I was super late to the Hamilton party. Around 2016, I was sitting down to do my 
my math homework for my first uh, assignment in grad school. And I was like, all right, I need to like throw on some music in the background because I like to listen to ma music while I work. But I'm like, it needs to be something like that I don't care about at all. Like it just needs to be like something just in the background to have noise while I work. So I'm like, all right, everyone keeps telling me to listen to this Hamilton thing. It'll probably won't like it, but like whatever. I'm doing my math homework. This is very low stakes. So I I throw on a, a copy of you know the the uh, soundtrack while I'm like you know doing calculations, and then like I progressively get like less and less focused on my math homework, and more and more like sucked into this story, and then by the end of it. I literally had to throw the paper away because I, I was actually crying on my math homework. <laughs> and, and so I didn't get anything done. I just had a, a soggy wet tissue with some formulas on it. But from then on, I was like absolutely in love with the music. I was like, I was humming it, I was singing it, and like, I, it, I just couldn't get it out of my head. So I, like, that night I ordered the soundtrack and I just. <laughs> listen to it like nonstop. It was just in my car CD player for like a year straight every time I commuted to, to work. And, uh, and then, you know, um, then eventually Kim as a, uh, as a gift to me bought, bought us tickets to see it on Broadway. So then I, I finally got to see it on Broadway and it was definitely worth the hype. Uh, you know, it was even better live than than the recording. Uh, although I didn't get to see it with the original cast, obviously, until the, yeah. the Disney yeah, Plus, me, me until either. Disney Plus came out, and then and then it, that was also glorious. Yeah, like listen, like I love seeing the stage show, but I got see, like I saw the understudies for both Hamilton and Burr. So, like I said, I love the show. I was a little disappointed in their performances. Like it was definitely a totally different thing seeing the original cast before before it and. Where everyone, it was just phenomenal. Like, yeah. I, mean, I mean, Anthony Ramos, he had such a small part. Like, when you have someone that talented in your small parts, that just shows how strong your cast is. Yeah, it's true. I felt like there were certain roles I definitely, like, missed more than others. Like, um, but I definitely felt like, you know, even though I didn't see the original cast, I liked what everybody brought to the table. You know, I always felt like mm -hmm. when I listened to the soundtrack slash saw the cast recording uh, on Disney Plus, I always felt like Lynn kind of sold me on the like old, distinguished, cranky Hamilton. But I never really kind of vibed with him as the young, teenage rebel heartthrob version of Hamilton. Whereas, so basically, act you you felt you felt he did act two good better than act one. Right, it's, I mean his performance was amazing throughout, but I kind of uh, it felt more real in in act two. Whereas our understudy Eddie Lee was much younger, and I definitely got like I he sold me a lot more in act one of like oh yeah this is like the heartthrob from mm -hmm. high school who like everyone was in love with and he like doesn't play by the rules. But then you know they put these like glasses on him in act two and like powder mm -hmm. his hair and I'm like you're definitely not like a forty year old like founding father. <laughs> well, well, the funny thing about the glasses because that's just a small Easter egg that he had to make sure oh to wear the glasses only sometimes so then 
It's a thing that right. It oh, wouldn't look pay off. He was the... wearing your glasses. <laughs> yeah, which it's... is a true fact. Which is a true fact. He was wearing the glasses, and it wouldn't pay off. Well, oh, well, the guy's <laughs> always wearing his glasses. Or also, oh, wait, what? He wears glasses now. Like it only worked because he only wore them some of the times. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but yeah, and that's the thing. This, like, because I, I also read the, the book he wrote about it, where like it has all. The, the music in it and he breaks down all the dialogue and stuff and it's like so many things that seem like a throwaway line have such deep meaning to it like such deep meaning to it that you don't re even realize at the time yeah well that's one of the things i love about like film and theater and and all this types of art is like there's all this like deep lore and backstory that you'll never see like you know, for every movie, like, you know, the, a director might have, like, this background character that, like, in their mind, they have all this, like, rich lore and history that, like, is not, no one's gonna know it, but, but the director. Yeah, which played off that, actually, um, there's one of the ensemble members known as The Bullet, who, she's, like, one of the most prominently featured ensemble members, and if you, um, pay attention, she actually is, becomes, like, a symbol of death throughout the sh show because, like, she sh during the during the final duel, she she uh, follows like the bullet that hits Hamilton. But before that, she flirts with Philip Hamilton right before right before he he dies. So he's flirted with that. That she's the one who tells the the king that John Adams became president, signaling the death of his political career that happened after. After he became president, and like this is at a point where she's always around death, and it's something that that Lynn, like he had this all planned out, but most people don't pick up on. Like you said, it's right. just she's just another ensemble member to most people. Right, exactly, and that was something that like people told me about, like to look for afterwards on like rewatching. But like it's definitely mm. not something that like I would have thought about, like you know originally seeing yeah. it although there, sometimes no, I, I, sometimes people go the opposite route where they like read too much into things that aren't actually intentional but this is definitely not that this is definitely a wait case you of mean like, like you mean every high school english teacher yeah exactly <laughs> no yeah i'm sure future future generations uh studying hamilton will find something yeah. that lynn never intended yeah no, yeah that's definitely true but but there is there is a lot of things that he didn't intend in it, and yeah. So well, yeah. Well, like you said, that's why it's so fun to read those like behind the scenes books, so you can kind of get a uh, get a sense of like what was going on in his head during each like when he wrote each song. Like you know, mm -hmm. he wrote like the uh, the you know the breakup song on his honeymoon and fun things. So you can learn like fun things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. And like you know how he got the idea for "You'll Be Back," right? Um, remind me. So he was talking to actor Hugh Lawyer about about this. He's like, "Yeah, oh, I'm I'm writing a musical about the American Revolution," and Hugh Lawyer's just like, "Oh, you'll be back," and he's like, "And that's just like, oh, that's a great song idea." That's funny. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny, like you know, listening to Lynn in interviews about like why he even included the King George character at all <laughs> because. Like, it really is just, like, a total aside from everything that's happening yeah. in the actual revolution. Like, you could take the, the king out and not really change 
the show. I mean, I like that the king is there, but he's completely irrelevant for the most Right, part. exactly. Like, King George's numbers are, like, my favorite, like, fun songs of the musical. And, like, it, he's, like, so many people's, like, favorite part. But also, super yeah, like, like not central to the plot of what's like, happening. Like I said, like, like I said, you can easily cut out that entire part, and like nothing's incomplete. <laughs> but but it's like still, yeah, just a fun thing he decided to add. And then of course the the thing that everybody always talks about the colorblind casting, yeah, which I definitely yeah. see. I feel that doesn't work as much in well if it was. A movie, I feel it works well because there is a stage show. Like, right. there's a lot more of that suspension of disbelief there. Like, like it's not like I mean, it's a musical for crying out loud. It's not going for heavy realism. Like, it's yeah. I mean, it's that, honestly, like it's one of those things. Like, I I always feel like with with um, any kind of musical that's like not playing playing it straight. Uh, in terms of like, you know, if you see movies like Amadeus or you see, uh, you know, movies that are like take place, you know, like Shakespeare in Love, like a lot of movies don't play it straight in terms of like, oh, pe the people weren't actually like this. They're like embellishing it for a dramatic effect. Mm -hmm. So you're already in this like realm of unreality. The only time like the colorblind casting like took me out of it at all is it does kind of make it confusing to be like, which characters were actually people of color in actual like history versus not? Um, you well, know, because uh, like I'll give you a hint about Hamilton, none of them. Like, like well, I mean, it's a sad, the, it's a the, sad story. The uh, story, the character the character who's fighting to be in the all black battalion, uh, Lawrence. John. Oh, you know, he was white. He was he was very uh, a very open minded white per, per, person, like. Like, he was, you know, extremely, like, open-minded. Oh, slavery is wrong, which, of course, now seems like no dub, but back then, you know, that was a very progressive stance to have. So, but he was white. Like I said, every, like, everybody, in just about everybody there was white. I mean, Hamilton was an immigrant who was born in the Caribbean, so, but to white parents. Right, so, right. So like I said, every every main character in Hamilton was was pretty much white. <laughs> which which you know it's just a sad fact about American history. But yeah, like it's it's nice to see people people of all colors put playing parts. And I I'm definitely like I said it it works like you said when you're something that you know like okay we're we're already suspending disbelief. This is not a real realistic film to begin with. So it doesn't matter what race we are. Right. Yeah, I was I was talking with some friends about it, like when there were rumors of there just being a Hamilton movie, like not that recording, but just like an actual movie production of Hamilton, and like we're talking about you know whether or not you know if you were making a a a film of Hamilton, would you stick with the race blind casting? And we all kind of agreed that it was sort of in the DNA of the show, like you. Even if you were kind of going for a more like, you know, high production value, you would probably you know keep that because yeah. it's it feels like it's it's you know quintessential to what Hamilton's about. I see. I agree with you saying that. I just don't agree that an actual film version of Hamilton, w w like a movie of Hamilton, would actually work. I just don't think. I don't think this could be translated well into film. I just. 
I think you could. I think you could 100% take it to film. I think, um, like some of the elaborate, like the you know battle sequences, like like the Battle of Yorktown. Like I feel like that could totally be like, you know, an action set piece. And like I, I don't know. I feel like you could definitely get like a, you know, the Patriot, but also it's like got actual like good music in it. Like, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's something we're ever getting, so, you know, and even if we did get it, you know, we're not going to get the original cast, so. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I could be proven wrong, but to me, it just feels like something that works as a stage piece. It just, it it doesn't work when you, especially, like, just the way it's designed, I just don't see how you could, the genres would match, like. Like that. Well, I, I, I feel, feel like certain musicals make great movies. I just don't feel all of them. Like, well, um, like seventeen seventy six is like I love. I absolutely love that musical, and like I feel like it works so well as a movie. And I could just totally picture like that, but Hamilton's score instead of you yeah, seventeen seventy six. But but see, the big big difference between seventeen seventy six and Hamilton. Hamilton's almost entirely sung through. Seventeen seventy six is actually. The musical with the biggest gap between song numbers, and that's a big reason. See that that's a big reason why I don't think it works so much. And, no, you would definitely have to rework it. I, I don't think you could do a straight adaptation with no changes. I think you would have to change it. You, I don't think you could do the whole like no stop like full song because that is a good point. You know, um, like. Phantom of the Opera, for example, is another good one of, like, almost entirely sung, you know, trans difficult to translate into a movie. But, but yes, you would definitely have to make some adaptation changes. But, like I said, I don't think it's a big concern, because I don't think, you know, especially now that the, now that the stage show is, like, we're, we have the live recording, I don't think anyone's, anyone's clamoring as much, you know. Yeah. But we'll see how In the Heights does. <laughs> Well, see, in the heights, I feel that show I felt from the start. That one is much easier to translate because there's a lot of music, but not. But there's also there's there's real dial, real dialogue in it, and like I say, it all takes place in the in the city. So that's like, it feels more like the liveliness of the city gives so much energy to it on its own. That one I always felt worked better, better as a as a movie. But like you said, yeah, we'll see. So now. So now, though, speaking of the film's stage version, it actually was nominated, let's see, for the Golden Globes, uh, Best Musical Comedy, and Lynn was nom nominated for Best Actor. And, but see, that's the big debate. Is it el should it be eligible for it? For it? I think, like, the Oscars are basically saying it's not going to be. What's right. your take, though? Should, should it be el eligible for awards? Um, I don't know. I, I, I lean towards no. I... I have this debate a lot with, with a lot of people um, because I personally keep a film journal of every film, whether it be, you know, a Netflix original film or a, a TV film or a, you know, whatever film. Every film I ever watch, I record my thoughts on it and, like, mm -hmm. you know, who made it, what year was it made, you know, what I, what score would I give it. And, you know, when I watch, like, live recorded concerts, like Coldplay and, and you know, Al City and, and various other concerts that I've seen that have, like, live filmed recordings of them, and I made the decision a long time ago to not count those as films. Mm -hmm. And I sort of put 
Hamilton in the same bucket, I know a lot of people would disagree with me. I think I could absolutely see the argument for it. It is a film, it is a recorded piece of media, it has, like, all the trappings of a film. But I feel like it has a lot to do with intention. You know, like, when you're recording a concert, you're not recording it to be a film. You're recording it to mm. sort of be a time capsule of this other live experience that not everyone can achieve. Um, I feel like he sort of is transforming the piece of art by recording it. But like I said, I can totally see the argument the other way around. Um, it also kind of feels like, you know, it, it is a piece of theater. You know, I feel like recording it doesn't, like, change it. You know, like, like those illegal, like, hand cams of, like, Wicked, you know, I still feel like that's just, like, a recording of a stage play. Yeah. It's not, that doesn't make Wicked a movie now. Mm. But, like I said, I, I don't, I'm not, like, that. that's for me. Like, I wouldn't. Mm. I wouldn't consider it a film, but, I mean, I, you know, if you go to the Wikipedia page, it says 2020 film, so, like, a lot of, and it has a director, it has a cinematographer, so, it definitely well, has well, a lot of... Well, the director was the director of the stage production, though. See, I mostly agree, agree with what you said. I think there's two categories I feel, though, that it should be eligible. I'm not saying it should be nominated for them. I don't really know what the competition is like, but it should be eligible for cinematography, and edited because those were two things that they created for this specific thing. Like the right. show existed, the set existed, the acting existed, but you know what? There wasn't a cinematography for the stage production, and they still had to edit this all together between the camera shots and whatnot. Like I'm not saying that. Right, you're not saying that necessarily you necessarily think it was that particularly that good that you should dominate it, but you're saying at least if it was on that level, it should be eligible. Exactly. And I actually, I actually totally agree with that. I think that's very well said that, you know, the things that are original and unique to the filming of it um, mm. should be eligible and the things mm. that uh, kind of already existed in the stage play form. It's similar yeah. to, um, you know, there was a whole argument you know, a couple years back about, like, whiplash and it was like, you know, oh, well, there's, like, source material. Like, is this original? Is this adapted? You know, uh... Yeah, which that one I felt it was kind of original because there was a short film that was really well that was just the concept of, like right it was just the concept art right exactly but so like it, I feel like it, it falls into that same gray area of like you know are we adapting this to be a film or is this just like a thing that already exists that we're yeah but like I said, they didn't really like you would say they didn't really adapt it they just filmed they just straight filmed it right. Exactly, which is why it should be eligible, but like I said, but the cinematography and editing that wasn't there, they created that for, for this specific piece of art, so that definitely should be eligible. Right. Eligible. And like I said, I mean, I'm not sure if it's Oscar worthy, but the editing was, it was very well edited, and the, cinema, like the editing and cinematography was well put together between cutting, cutting through everything. I thought right. they did a great job of it. Like I said, not sure, maybe not Oscar worthy, but... Good job of it, and like I said, it should at least be eligible for it. Right, a hundred percent. I think um, if if it, I don't personally, I don't think it like the editing. I, I actually thought it was remarkably good for a stage recording. Like I've seen other stage mm. recordings, and it's just like a static shot uh, or like maybe one or two angles. This actually had like sweeping and panning shots, and like different. It, it did a lot exactly. of really unique things for a, a stage recording. 
but I think as a movie, I wouldn't say it's that on that level to be Oscar nominated. But I also think it should be eligible because, like you said, that is a a thing that was created for this production. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, but I mean, you knew the Golden Globes were going to nominate it anyway because. Yeah, well, it's They're like the Golden Globes. I mean, also, it's it's hard not to in a pandemic year. Like, I think in any other year, people would be more accepting of the idea that it's not being nominated for the Oscars. But you know, again, in my film journal, I generally say like, "Oh, what's the best? Like, what's my favorite movie that I've watched this year?" And for a long time this year, I struggled not to just write Hamilton because. It was the only thing that I watched that wasn't, like, a schlocky TV movie for a while, you know? So, it's, like, a movie that was really, like, a big highlight in an otherwise pretty dry year. So, I can definitely see why people would want to capitalize on that. But I'm not worried. Lin will get his, his complete his EGOT and get his Oscars oh, yeah. at some point regardless. But you know what, though? It's a question. Who's going to... Leslie Oldham Jr.? actually has a good chance of beating him to it because between his role in One Night in Miami and, his, and the song he wrote for it, he's going to almost certainly win at least one of the two between support and actor original song, if not both, and that will put him just an Emmy away from the EGOT. Right. Well, we'll see. Like I said, I don't know. Um, you know, the pandemic pushed back uh, In the Heights. I definitely thought In the Heights had a good chance to, to get a... You know, uh, an Oscar mm. for for Lynn. Yeah, but it's gonna be like you said. Isn't that inevitable that he's gonna do it eventually? It's just a question of when, though. Right. Exactly. All right. I think I covered everything I wanted to cover. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, you know, go watch Hamilton. Is the moral of the story? If you are like one of the two people it, on yeah. Earth who haven't yet. Yes, the two people on Earth are also the two people who haven't seen Hamilton, also the two people who watch our podcast, actually. (laughs) So, yes, you two people, go see it. All right, I'm still JD. And I'm still Mike. This was Off Topic. Have a good night, good morning, good whatever time of the day it is.